Good evening. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. This is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture. And this isn't the usual theme song, but, you know, sit back and enjoy it. This is Philip Tabane, and this is called Inlesio, The Heart. I'd like to take some time on today's show to remember someone who's had an impact on how people experience food in Michigan. I learned recently that documentary filmmaker Chris Bedford has passed away. Chris Bedford was the president of the Sweetwater Local Foods Market in Montague, which is about 20 miles north of Muskegon. And what's unique about that market is that it was the first in Michigan where every item was organic and every item was local and every item was produced humanely. They had a lot of meats and cheeses. They have a lot of meats and cheeses at the market in Montague, and so produced humanely is something very important to them. Chris Bedford, as I said, was a documentary filmmaker, president of the Sweetwater Local Foods Market. People are remembering him, remembering his enthusiasm. And I had the chance to talk to Chris Bedford on this show in 2006. We had a great conversation about the transformative power of food that he saw at the farmer's market in Montague. And I'd like to listen to that conversation for just a moment now to remember Chris Bedford. We're just going to drop into the middle of the conversation here and think about the transformative power of food as he experienced it. And here's an excerpt from that conversation. If we were actually to eat a healthy diet based on local food, we could reduce our, I mean, just an example, this is, this is a stunning number. In Michigan in 2004, we spent $3.7 billion on type 2 diabetes care. That's both public and private, okay? 90% plus of that is, can be uh, dealt with through change in diet. You don't have to have drugs, major interventions, you know, you don't have you know, all the amputations, all the other things that happens with diabetes. Well, I think we're all pretty much hooked on the idea that, well, if you have a health problem, you should go to the doctor and take pills, take That's injections. Right. And, and a lot of us, I don't think, think about what we can do at home or at the market to do anything about that. Well, we're, you know, the, the, the pill idea, with all due respect to all the pill makers, um, is really an extension of the industrial model that somehow if you just put the right additive into the gasoline, it'll run better, the engine will run better. Well, sir, we're the engines and the pill is the additive. Um, actually, we are part of a huge living organism, and we're just part of it. And so to the degree that our soil is healthy and our plants are healthy and our animals are healthy, we are healthy. And it's, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that. Um, so what's happening is, is that people are coming to our market because they don't have health insurance. And because they can't afford, and, and and we did a film called What Will We Eat, uh, which has been shown at the East Lansing and Muskegon and Saugatuck Film Festivals in, in uh, Michigan this year. And in the film, there's an African-American woman named Shirley Hunter, and she's my favorite person in the film. She came to our very first market. She had been diagnosed with a blood disease. I didn't know what it was. She didn't tell me. And she looked like she was almost dead. She came to our market, and she was scared, and she just looked really bad. And the reason she came to our market is, is that 
she wanted to find, she heard about food might be a way to help her because she didn't have money for health insurance. So she bought a book and she saw the word organic. Then she saw, you know, we were an organic market in the newspaper. So she, there's no, you know, it just the almost happened chance that she came. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so she came to our market and we have a, a, we have a board which includes four healthcare professionals on our board. And one of them, Dr. Sh- uh, Norb Sharondale was, came to the market and consulted with her and told her about nutrition. When the film, she's interviewed on the last market of the season, about 20 weeks later. And she looks like a different person. Really? She totally transformed. She looks, her skin is glowing. She's healthy. You know, you know, uh, it's it just, and she talks about it, you know, and, and it's just, and it's just, the transformation is so stunning. I didn't recognize her when she came to the last market and I asked her if she wanted to be in the film. And then I realized it was Shirley Hunter. And, and so it's that kind of experience that people have, you know. Karen Lubbers, who is the wife of, uh, or I'm sorry, the mother of one of our, uh, a baker who bakes organic bread for our market, she got, her daughter had brain cancer eight years ago, and there was no hope. They said no hope. They took all the chemical substances out of their house, and they only ate local organic food they grew on their own farm. Her daughter was cured, and now she's a leading advocate for this for this approach to food in West Michigan. There's story after story like that. That you know, it's just coming back. And if you think about it, it's like you know, if it's like ice skating. If you're out of balance, you're going to fall. If you're in balance, you're going to like skim along. Uh huh. And I think one thing is that well, a lot of effort is being put into pills and things that are supposed to help people make them better. And one way, you know. You can't necessarily say, well, if you eat that food, I can guarantee you'll be better. But why not try when you have these really encouraging stories to find out whether organic food and these foods can help you? Because it seems as if uh, people aren't necessarily experimenting with simple food in their lives like pharmaceutical companies are experimenting with drugs. I mean... That's right. And, and <clears throat> so what, what's going to motivate this? See, what's happening is, is we see it's like a tidal wave of coming up. People, it's like suddenly happening. And I think you can see in this recent story that the uh, William Clinton Foundation just negotiated with uh, three of the largest soda makers to remove soda from elementary and middle schools and only have diet soda, which I don't like anyway, mm-hmm. uh, in, in high schools. But that, it was a huge Think about it. It had been like cigarette companies suddenly removing cigarette uh, machines from certain places. They just, this was a proactive step by this industry because they knew that, you know, that their product was causing childhood obesity and causing, leading these kids to have, you know, even childhood diabetes. And so this was, this suggestion that these companies are not stupid, they're very market oriented. They saw it coming. Well, it's coming. And, you know, I did a poll in Iowa when I was living there, and I was national campaign coordinator for the Sustainable Ag Program through the Humane Society of the United States. And I did a poll there in Iowa, which is the heart of industrial agriculture, and uh, about would people pay more, uh, 10% more for humanely raised animal products? Will they, would they, how would they care about organic? And this is the heart of the industry here, right? We're 20 million acres in corn and soybeans, which is the heart of the industrial system. 75% of the people wanted it. Republicans, Democrats, independents, it's not a partisan issue. Mm-hmm. People in their guts know something's wrong and they want to come back into balance. But the system of government, our government is not acknowledging that. The commercial system is beginning to acknowledge it. 
and we have increasing demand in our market. But the public policy system is like you know the generals are determined to fight World War II again. You know they're mm-hmm. they're going they're looking backwards. They don't see that so many things could be dealt with in terms of public policy. For instance, that diabetes thing. You know, if it's three point seven billion dollars in two thousand four. In 2010, it's going to be $30 billion because we have wow. a whole generation of kids where half of children of color are going to have diabetes and be obese, and one-third of all children are going to be that. So wouldn't it be better to, like, not bankrupt the state and invest in healthy food for these kids? Wouldn't it be, like, really cost-effective as opposed as, as well as being, you know, like, humane and caring for these children? Mm-hmm. But, you know, even if you only care about taxes and expenditures, this is it. And so it's beginning to pick up steam. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and I was just speaking to Chris Bedford there. That was in 19, that was in 2006. I learned recently that Chris Bedford has passed away, and I want to take a moment to remember him. He had a vision and a drive, and he he was president of the Sweetwater Local Foods Market in Montague, which is about 20 miles north of Muskegon. He also created the documentary he mentioned called "What Will We Eat." And this year, he premiered a new film called Getting Real About Food and the Future. And I know it's hard in in the middle of a conversation to get the whole scope of a conversation. But if you want to learn more about him, you can look up information about his films at chrisbedfordfilms.com. And you can read about the farmer's market at sweetwaterlocalfoodsmarket.org. That's the farmer's market in Montague. That's one where it was the first one in Michigan where every item was organic and every item was local and every item was produced humanely. Now, some good news is that there were look, looking up some statistics since then, there was a 13% increase in the number of farmer's markets operating in Michigan. That's a figure from 2008 to 2009. By last year, the number was up to 271 farmer's markets in Michigan. That's according to the USDA. In a little bit, I'm going to talk about a growing system in Michigan that makes it cheaper to buy fruits and vegetables. But right now, let's, let's remember Chris Bedford with a lively encounter at a farmer's market as experienced by Annie Ross. Once there was a girl and she was right from the sticks Thought she'd go out to the market one day And hey, we should save the town She was the toast, really the most We don't want to boast, but Scads of lads would all surround a city Sick of sure what hound she walked in the marketplace What did she see? Crew cut and cute with a crazy goatee What a blend, he was the end Selling beans, dressed in his jeans What a buy she I got beans at a bargain, little girl. Won't you step right up? Cast your eyes upon me where you will have no other care. to be no other worry there if you see the crazy pair. You'll have when they clean and cook the crazy on the table. I got them fresh this very morning from the backyard and I picked them all myself. I hope that you would come along and buy some beans because well, what I'm trying to say is they taste so good. They taste so very, very, very good. Take advantage of a bargain, coming and buy some. We got string beans, snap beans, lima beans. We got the very kind of beans that I would like to put right in your fresh burger, pretty baby. Don't you see what I mean? They're the finest beans, coolest of beans. 
They're the best beans that you could find in this or any other marketplace. What are you trying to prove with all your talk of beans? Yes, I know that they look crazy. But they're just beans. Only beans they will have to go because of something you should know. That though I think the beans are great, well, you can leave them off my plate because they're not my favorite dish. Hey, let me say, I am not the guy who supposes of beans. It's a means to you, cause I knew that I should be your guy, cause baby let me try. Once I was a drummer, straight from New York, to around the country with Wardell Gray, and hey, we could sure say of the drums, he was a toast, relief the most, we don't want to boast, but all the crazy chicks were down him, all the crazy bands were down him, then one day he met the one that made his head whirl, he met married the same little girl, what a blend, they are the end, they're real cool, house with a pool, crazy scenes blend, and I'm the Beans. It was the Beans, yep, that's Annie Ross, and Farmer's Market. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. And I need to remember to ask Arwolf again. Her vocal on that song was based on an instrumental solo. And Arwolf can refresh our memories on that. Annie Ross, and that was Farmer's Market. I want to talk a little bit about Double Up Food Bucks because they're back this year. They were created by the Fair Food Network, which is based in Ann Arbor. And basically the program has two goals. One is to increase access to healthy foods, and affordability of healthy foods for low-income families and individuals, and also to create new sales opportunities for Michigan farmers. So how it works is a person eligible for SNAP uses their SNAP bridge card to shop for food at a participating farmer's market, and the amount of money that they spend is matched with Double Up Food Bucks bonus tokens, and the tokens can be exchanged for Michigan-grown fruits and vegetables. So doubling the bucks on the fruits and vegetables in the Ann Arbor Farmer's Market and the West Side Farmer's Market in Ann Arbor. But the West Side Farmer's Market is still open till 7 this evening. It's in the Zingerman's Roadhouse parking lot. And these, this Double Up Food Bucks has grown this year, too. Now, some places it's been and continues to be in Ypsilanti at the Depot Town Farmer's Market and the Downtown Farmer's Market. In Detroit at the Eastern Market, also at, I love to say this, the Peaches and Greens Store and Mobile Food Truck in Detroit, Six other places in Detroit, and it's expand now to five places in the Grand Rapids area, five in the Lansing area, in farmers markets in Battle Creek, Flint and Kalamazoo, and Toledo, and several places in northern Michigan as well, and locally in Canton and Dundee. So you can find out all about that at Double Up Food Bucks. And one, one vegetable I would find very much I would like to see is a greasy green. Now, they probably won't come greasy at a farmer's market, but you can make them that way. Yes, Grease, one of the food groups. Now, what is Greasy Greens? What are, what am Greasy Greens? Well, I went to thesmokering.com. What is thesmokering.com? Well, it's it's a place with a chat room, and this chat room smelled pretty good, so I wandered in. And I hung out with some folks in about 2006 and 2007, 2008, because you can go back in time on the interweb. So 
So, so says here, all smoke, no fire, says on the chat room. I like mixing mine up. Collards, mustard, and turnip greens. Sometimes beet greens, too. If I'm going to roast some beets off, I don't like as much liquid in mine. I prefer to kind of braise them rather than boil them. So Seamus says, we have collards about once a week. I like them as mentioned above, but my roommate takes the stems out and cooks them up al- until they're al dente. Then in another pan, he fries up some bacon pieces and gets a lot of grease. He then pours off the water on the greens and dumps the greens into the pan with the grease and bacon, and he stirs it. Then he plates them up like that. He calls them greasy greens. And uh, by a coincidence, this is also called greasy greens.
like that. You don't use nothing but naturally. You can't cook me the greasy greens, them greens. It's all I crave, them greens. Oh, baby, take me to my grave. They're soft and easy, nice and greasy. I'm a fool. How about them greasy greens? Oh, they're soft. I think you told everybody there. Sorry, guy, but I think we all know. Well, maybe it's not such a bad thing. It's good to just let it out, your feelings about your greasy greens. That's what we're here for. It's Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food and celebrating greens and farmers markets and people that make those things happen. And, well, that was a group called Hard Pushin' Papa, and that was called Greasy Greens. And, uh, well, I want to talk a little bit more about Things that are hard to find. Th- giant things. Giant things. Rhymes with greasy green. That's not a good segue at all. Let's just charge on, shall we? Okay. Now, in Ypsilanti, there is there was the famed Arbor Ipsy Bowl sign, where the bowling alley used to be and is most recently closed. The Ipsy Arbor Bowl sign actually has gone away. That beautiful, big old neon sign with alternating direction bowling pins that are giant, and if they fell on your head, you wouldn't like that much because it would hurt muchly, and you'd probably get smashed into the ground like a cartoon character. And But that big old Ipsy Arbor Bowl sign is gone, just as the giant big boy who is rotating on a platter of his own, holding up a platter of his own with a hamburger in it, has gone away. There is change. It's happening. And I should always mention that the big boy on Washtenaw Avenue in Ypsilanti Township, the big boy was holding up a, a hamburger, which became detached from him and rolled down Washtenaw Avenue. This is a true story. Now, although the Ipsy Arbor sign is going away, the good news is if you go up to Saginaw, this is from the Associated Press, a whimsical neon sign of a leaky faucet is dripping again in Saginaw. So it's the faucet is dripping again for the first time in 14 years. The Saginaw News reports that the sign last was lit up in 1997 when Brensky Plumbing, Heating, and Supply Company was raised to make way for a Rite Aid pharmacy. But on Monday night, the drops made of neon began dripping again at an intersection on the city's west side. The sign had been in storage at the Castle Museum of Saginaw County History. It was fixed up by Barrett's sign in Saginaw. Tom Mudd, president of the Saginaw Valley Historic Preservation Society, wants the area to become a historical neon sign park, incorporating signs once adorning now-demolished buildings. Another sign that hung for 67 years on the Merrill Building in Saginaw is nearby. Now, the Ipsy Arbor Bowl sign is is actually gone from Michigan. In fact, it's gone to South Dakota, and I'm going to make it my life's mission to find out where it is. There is, coincidentally, an Ypsilanti township in North Dakota— but North Dakota is not South Dakota, and this sign is going to South Dakota to a sign museum. We will try to find that out and get you the information as soon as possible. Now, we'd also like to tell you that somebody, a very special fellow, uh, has gone from the coasters, the rock clown prince, Carl Gardner. So says, well, the Wall Street Journal. I know it's the Wall Street Journal, but... It's, they say he's the rock clown prince, so here you go. Who is Carl Gardner? He was the original founding lead singer of the Coasters, who did Yakety Yak and Charlie Brown and Poison Ivy and Searchin' and all those great songs. He died in Port St. Lucie, Florida, at the age of 83 last weekend. Says the article, the Coasters were Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees, 
And their main stuff, courtesy of the songwriting team of Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, has been covered by countless artists and helped form the basis of the Broadway show Smokey Joe's Cafe and a cafe serves food. So you know what's coming in just a few moments. Now, it says here also, the fellow who wrote the article, Charles Passy of the Wall Street Journal, says, Like so many ex-New Yorkers, Gardner had come to Florida to escape the cold weather. Now, with his loving and attentive wife, Vita, he was building a new life for himself. Traces of bitterness remained. You're looking at a millionaire that don't have it. That hurts, he told me, for a profile I eventually wrote. But so did a kind of goofball worldview that afforded him a little perspective. When I asked him what he wanted in life, he had an immediate answer. He wanted $10 million. Not for himself, he insisted, but to help others. Then, with a knowing smile, he paused and added, As long as I keep me $3 million. And the fellow says, I'm hoping a check in that amount is waiting for him at the gates of heaven. A rock legend deserves no less. And that is true. Rock's clown prince, Carl Gardner, was 83 years old, made a lot of great music that we've enjoyed in so, for so many years, and has passed away. But thank you. We're going to hear some music from him in just a moment. But again, a quick reminder about the Double Up Food Box. You can find out about that at doubleupfoodbox.org. And if you have a SNAP Bridge card, you can shop for food at participating farmers' markets. The amount of money you spend is matched with Double Up Food Bucks bonus tokens, so that can be exchanged for Michigan-grown fruits and vegetables, so you can get a bargain on those. And just a quick mention again, those are you can use those at Ann Arbor Farmer's Market and the West Side Farmer's Market in Ann Arbor, the Depot Town Farmer's Market and the Downtown Farmer's Market, both in Ypsilanti, and a number of other locations around Michigan. The information on that is at doubleupfoodbucks.org. Well, I've been Mike for a while now. Thanks for listening to Pandora's Lunchbox. Arlof is going to help us to face the music, and I hear a rumor that we're going to learn about some bad table manners in just a moment. So that's very important and something you should definitely jot down information on. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Let's go out with the coasters. Carl Gardner, our good friend there, singing about Smokey Joe's Cafe. Shall we? Here we go. Oh, Smokey Joe's Cafe. Oh, I, I, Smokey Joe's Cafe. One day while I was eating me, Smokey Joe's Cafe. Just sitting digging all the scene, Smokey Joe's Cafe. A chick came walking through the door that I had never seen before. At least I never saw her down at Smokey Joe's Cafe. Ooh, and I started shaking when she sat right down to me Ooh, her knees were almost touching my smoky joe's cafe her chill was running down my spine smoky joe's cafe oh i could smell a sweet perfume she smiled at me my heart went boom then everybody in the room smoky joe's cafe they said man be careful that chick belongs to smoky joe from behind the counter, I saw a man, a shelf hat on his head and a knife in his hand. He grabbed me by my collar and began to shout. You eat up all your beans and bar and clear right on Yes, I know I'll never eat again at Smokey Joe's Cafe. And so we'll never meet again at Smokey Joe's Cafe. I'd rather eat my chili beans at Jim's or Jackson John. 
Jesus eating on a smoky Joe's cafe. Woo! I risk my life when the smoky Joe's a crazy fool. WCBN FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. We're the voice of the underground intellectual resistance movement, broadcasting from the campus of the University of Michigan. This is student-run alternative experiential experimental radio, freeform-based radio, run by students with lots of community involvement. It is now 7 o'clock, and I'm very grateful to Mike Perini for having aired Smokey Joe's Cafe, because it gets me ready for a glass xylophone solo recorded in 1908. This is called Dill Pickles. Actually, the Dill Pickles Rag is performed by a guy named, by the name of Chris Chapman. And for the first portion of this show, you're going to be hearing from a comedy duo from the 1920s who were fairly successful under the name of the Happiness Boys. And they're going to sing some food-oriented material right after Dill Pickles Rag, um, including a, a very important song about bad table manners. So this is all sort of a uh, salute to Mike Perini. How about that? Face the music. <laughs> 